proviamo in italiano ok va bene iniziamo ok buongiorno a tutti ciao ragazzi e ragazze eh, questo il nostro podcast si chiama hit factory e come sempre io sono carly mi chiamo carly e anche come sempre questo è il mio co-conduttore si chiama come ti chiama i'm aaron that's me <laughs> ciao <laughs> hello amore uh, e oggi è speciale perché oggi è speciale per molti motivi perché siamo con i nostri amici certamente i nostri amori si chiamano jake serwin uh, ciao Sì. Ciao, boys. Sono io. Hello. That was really good. Oh, there's more. Yeah. Oh, boys. <laughs> Keep going. Questi uomini hanno un podcast che si chiama Podcasty for Me, come il nome dal film Play Misty for Me, sì. da direttore, eh, attore Clint Eastwood, e anche questo podcast copre i film di Clint Eastwood. Quanti, quanti film ha Clint Eastwood? How many films does Clint Eastwood have? Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Google Translate. Wait, wait. I just have to look up how to say the number. Uh, it's like, how do you say 52 in Italian and it just shows a five and a two? It did that. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. 52. Uh, 56. Compreso. Compreso. Il giurato numero two. How do you say to do it? Due. Due. Giurato numero due, which is uh, in Bello. process. Yeah. Bravo. Bravo. Ho sbagliato. Un, uh, una cosa. <laughs> eh, ho dimenticato. Il nostro podcast copre eh, i film degli anni 90, anche i politici, eh, le culture i conversazioni eh, and that's it abbastanza bene <laughs> as they say bravo Good. Yeah. wow Bra brava excuse me brava brava I will say that I I uh, I zoned out exactly the same way I zone out during like a, a tour guide speaking Italian so great uh, perfect yeah <laughs> that's what I was going for you were going yeah. for sort of a, a wrapped zone out kind of thing where yeah, it's more of like a exactly. like a transcendental experience you're <laughs> yeah you're kind of picking it up there well whole yeah. atmosphere uh, yeah for our non-italian speakers hello and welcome back to hit factory carly thank you so much for that that was carly on the mic speaking all that beautiful italian it was gorgeous you're very yeah. good at it grazie uh, and Carly was nice enough to introduce uh, for our Italian listeners our two guests today, who are, as already stated, the hosts of the wonderful Clint Eastwood podcast, Podcasty for Me, Jake Serwin and Ian Ryan. Boys, welcome to the show. Grazie. Let's go. That's like an Italian guy. <laughs> you know? You're right. That is an Italian guy. Yeah. Mm. That was, an, that was Luigi, like correct? An Italian guy. No, well, yeah. hold on. That was supposed to be Mario, but I do feel... Uh, pretty hurt about what just happened. I will say uh, <laughs> that uh, you know, Nani, Nani's giving 
he's giving Luigi in this movie. Can we oh, say? He does have a little bit of a Luigi vibe. And I, th- right. I was trying to figure out who the Mario would be if we were casting real Italian guys. And obviously, like, uh, um, uh, Roberto Benigni has Mario's personality, oh. but does not have the physique. So maybe we're mm. looking at prosthetics. What do you think, Ian? You seem like you're. Oh, I think I think Chapter Two, Le Isole, was the perfect oh, sure. Mario matchup. You had your both both your guys right there. You do have both your guys. Mario is always uh, watching the bold and the beautiful. <laughs> he probably would. Yeah. That's pretty good. What about uh, what about our our friend Giancarlo Giannini? He might be good. He's a little serious, but not quite serious enough to be like or like he he doesn't have like the evil that would befit a wario type yeah um yeah i, think I mean where are we right gonna find a stocky uh sinister looking <laughs> italian man <laughs> nowhere <laughs> nowhere <laughs> never been done no one's yeah. ever been that before exactly um, well as we're alluding to the topic of today's show is a film from the great country of Italy, Italia. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a 1993 film directed by one Nani Moretti uh, called Caro Diario, a.k.a. Dear Diary. Uh, and if you're wondering, why do we have a couple of Clint Eastwood guys talking about an Italian film today? I thought the same thing. I actually. also thought that. Yes. Yeah. People are saying, like, isn't they, they've got their lane. Why don't they stay in it? Uh, well, there is a connection. There is some sinew here that mm. we can uh, we can Shushan. draw out. Uh, f- and this was uh, actually something that you all brought to us, fellas, which is that uh, Clint Eastwood was the jury president for Cannes Film Festival in the year 1994, uh, the year that uh, Pulp Fiction, I believe, took home the Palm d'Or. Absolutely. Uh, the golden this film, palm, they call it. The golden palm. <laughs> yeah. A palm of, of, of gold, a leaf of gold. Gold. Of gold. <laughs> Why'd you say that? I don't know, way? because it sounds nice. That guy's Dutch. That guy's not Italian. The guy you're doing the impression of is from <laughs> I mean, that was, I mean, that that was weird? gold member, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess that is what that was. But <laughs> the year that uh, Clint served as the jury president uh, sure at Cannes, uh, awarded Pulp Fiction, but also gave uh, our beloved Nani Moretti the Best Director Award. He did. Uh, so this is a beloved film of the 90s and one that does have the necessary Clint connection to give us permission to invite two of our good friends from Podcasty for me on the show to discuss. Uh, fellas, I, I want to know from each of you, separately, preferably not talking over one another, uh, but... Had you seen this movie before? What are your thoughts on it? Uh, how have your thoughts evolved if you've seen it before and have watched it for this uh, now a second, third, tenth time? Well, Jake saw it first, so I'll go first. Uh, I saw it because he texted me about it. And <laughs> I don't remember the context, but it was probably something like, hey, you took Italian in college. You're going to love this. This guy it was almost certainly that. Yeah, <laughs> right. The same type of guy. And he was right. That's not the reason that I loved it, but I did enjoy it quite a bit. And let me also just say, very kind and uh, well-conceived of you to explain that justification. But really, 
I'm just excited to be talking about a different type of film and to be here with my friends. <laughs> yeah. So that's my real reason that I'm happy to be here. Yeah. I, okay, wait, how Ian, how did I do on our intro since you took oh. Italian in college? Meraviglioso. You did a wonderful job. Uh, Grazie, bello. Yeah. That's very kind. I, I will interrupt just briefly before we get to Jake and maybe yeah, by the time I'm done, uh, we'll have forgotten and moved on to something else. Uh, but I don't know how it is for you guys. But when you're fielding the influx of uh, podcast guest requests that you undoubtedly get, uh, do you get that a lot where someone's like, hey, do you want to come on a show and talk about a Clint Eastwood movie? And you have to kind of remind them gently, like, that's that's what we already do. We're already going to be doing that. Like, that would just be redundant because, um, you know, I, I, I love going on other folks shows. I love guesting. Uh, and every so often we bump into the, you know, some folks who are like, oh, it's a 90s slot. Let's talk to our 90s friends. And while yeah. I love that they think of us, it's often like, well, that's kind of our lane. We are going to talk about that show, that movie before. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, so, you know, not to knock other people for making that request. But I, just as you said, Ian, it is always really nice when someone's like, do you want to talk about uh, a Clint Eastwood movie from, say, the year 1984 that he mm-hmm. ghost directed? And I was like, yes. yeah, that would be wonderful. Yeah, we were we were talking to you guys about that very thing. I'm like, well, you're probably going to want to cover the Clints. It's a little different with us because we have like such a strict uh the the we have to cover the films in order. We have a a list of films that we're going to cover whereas you guys have uh I think I've said this before, but just a dynamite premise which is basically uh, let's watch something good from a list of like <laughs> whatever twenty thousand movies that yes. came out in the nineties, or bad, or yeah, bad, or bad. But I will say yeah. another reason that today is uh, speciale is mm. that we have not done an Italian film right. yet. Very true on our show. Very true, which yeah. is like something that I've been like wanting us to do. So you all are also doing us like a great service with this appearance. Hey, you're welcome. No, stop saluting. Stand, sit down. Sit back down. Um, <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Yeah, you're all right. very welcome. Uh, well, I so I I watched this movie. I don't even remember. I think what I was doing was um, very legally downloading all of the films that had won the Palm Door, and I get to Nani Moretti's uh, 2001 film, The Sun's Room, or uh, La Stanza del Figlio, uh, which won the Palm. That's a movie about a guy whose uh, kid dies. And it's one of those the kid died movies. Um, and so I, you know, I still haven't seen it. I'm not not busting my ass to put that one on. Um, normally not really in a <laughs> the kid dies mood. But um, I was like, who is this guy? I've heard this name before. And then I was looking at his other stuff and just kind of threw this on uh, as a lark and loved it. I feel like I'm a, sort of the... I'm like a Victor Navorsky and my Krakosia is Woody Allen where like, I can never go back there, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. but I yeah. need something like that. There's mm. Albert Brooks, which is nice. Yeah. But sometimes you want a little something else. And this right. is like, yeah. for me, a kind of, it gives you that, like this whole movie is a little bit of the, the Marshall McLuhan scene in Annie Hall for like uh, an hour and a half in a way. Yeah. Um, and then I texted Ian cause I just need to run everything I do by him to make sure it's okay that I liked it or that I did it. And he was like, yeah, no, you're right. It is good. 
I did it again before, like two days ago. I was like, "Was this? Should I? Should I have picked something yes. different?" And he's like, "No, it's good. Shut up." And then I could, and then I slept soundly in his arms. <laughs> it's it's good. It You're is. Good. You're very good. You're good. So it much. was a great choice. Uh, I adored the film. I thought it was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, was it your first time seeing it? It is my first time seeing it, Carly. Was it your first time seeing the film? It sure was. What did you think as uh, our our subject matter expert? In Italian culture. Uh, I don't know if I'm a subject matter expert, but you know, I lived in Rome for a little bit. So I yeah, have can we, some. Can we talk about that for a second? Because I don't mm-hmm. I don't think I know the details of this. How many paninis of <laughs> tomato and mozzarella did it's you eat? It's panini. Estimate? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so here's the funny thing. Carly right, right before I moved over there, I went, I was like, I'm going to get like a, you know, once over from my doctor and just like make sure I'm like good to go to like live yeah. in another country. Um, and we were talking about a bunch of stuff and she was like, I, uh, I, I think you're gluten intolerant. And I was like, <gasps> huh? Okay. <laughs> and then I got to Italy and I was like, no, like I'm not. <laughs> and I just, like yeah. rebelled for like three yeah, weeks great. straight and ate like every single bread product pasta pastry cheese thing i beer i could eat and um Mm. and i was fucking miserable so i got it Mm. out of my system literally and figuratively and then like surprisingly most italians like one in four are also gluten intolerant and so i had lots of access to gluten-free things over there and had a great time but i did eat lots of panini and i did eat lots of um pastry and gelato uh i live there and after nutella I, and nutella mm. tubs of it which is so better good. than the stuff that we get here it's which true. is made oh, yeah. in canada it's bullshit it's like designed to go with peanut butter yeah because fuck americans canada. love peanut butter <laughs> fuck canada Car- carly uh went back to italy a f- few years ago like right before the pandemic mm-hmm. no this is like very upsetting i don't want to talk about you don't it want to talk- oh. okay because I-, I have to mention it just now that this TSA story. fucking stole my nutella <laughs> she she tried to bring back <laughs> well you're Italian just like Nutella Richard and they wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's true. No, it was very upsetting. They let yeah. you leave Italy with fucking, you know, whatever you yeah. want. And then when they you don't claim it at customs, they're like, <laughs> yeah. this is illegal. Touchdown in DC and they're like, no. Nope. They're like, this could be bomb Nutella. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, it freaking no, so, is, man. You taste it? It is, though. It's there so go. good. I lived there after I graduated college um, for a little bit. And uh, one of the reasons I love this movie is because most of it takes place outside of the centro, which is like the mm, city yeah. center of Rome. And it's like right. on the outskirts, which like no one ever sees. Like the stuff you see is like the Colosseum or it's mm. like the Capitoline Museum or whatever. Um, and this was all like the old like apartment buildings and these yeah, like old bridges yeah the yeah. public yeah. housing it was so cool to see that stuff because that's the stuff that you see once you spend a little bit more time there it's not like usually in movies yeah it's like the the to live and die in LA of of Rome mm. or something you get it is these these other parts of town and i think one of the things that i i, I include this film in a kind of difficult to define list but the, these movies that for me give you like they show you a new way to see things or they they i think my favorite movies are the ones that give me a new appreciation of like the the, the environments that i live or the spaces that i live in because they by putting the camera where they put the camera you you 
appreciate the beauty of something that you thought wasn't beautiful before or wasn't remarkable, wasn't worth looking at. And like the films of Les Blank, for example, do this. A lot of the films of Werner Herzog also do this for me. Mm-hmm. Edward Yang, um, Ozu, obviously. And I think this movie for me is among them where there's like a shot of him, of, of Nani on his, his Vespa coming out of uh like an underpass and i was like damn i gotta go find an underpass like i gotta go hang (laughs) out look at an underpass well you're Um, talking about why it's like woody allen to me this is what rescues it from woody allen land the only film i've ever seen is of his is to roam with love that's why i think it's like woody allen (laughs) all the guys are talking the same no yeah that's right moretti is for me since this film has become kind of like a fashion north star this man I love the way the man dresses. I want to look like yeah. this all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To the point that, and I have props here. I walk <laughs> Which are perfect into, for a podcast. <laughs> yes. I walk into a, uh, I've been walking by this menswear store uh, constantly. It's like between the place I'm staying and like the bakery or whatever. So I'm walking by it every day and I think, all right, last day I'm going to go in there. I'm going to get me some Italian corduroys. And I go into what is basically the wand store from Harry Potter, like just like uh, drawers and boxes, like (laughs) spilling it everywhere. Impossible to know what's going on. Guy who barely speaks English wants to help me. And long story short, I get bullied into buying two pairs of corduroys that do not fit me at all. (laughs) Cool. These beautiful corduroys that have still have the tags on them. They're They're terrific, though. Gorgeous. Ian, they probably would fit you, actually. Um, and they're from, you know, Veluta Duco, Visconti, Visconti di Modrone, Elastici, Elasticizzato, which is probably going to help me. Uh, <laughs> let's see if there's a, there's a price tag on them. <clears throat> no, but they say made in Italy in English, which is very straight. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> That's printed so, on after one, the fact to remind us. One of them us. is the color of Nani's corduroy suit that he's wearing like on the beach or something yeah, oh, yeah. and before that yeah. he's got those great olive slacks you know yeah. the pleated ones with his yeah. like black t-shirt they're kind of the shiny yeah. they're almost like yeah. that sort of like I, mid-century i'll say this we haven't even talked about the film he did he made a uh a sequel to this in the sense that he plays himself in both of them um called a pretty in 1998 mm-hmm. that is not as good but still pleasurable it's basically you know it's like the second bowl of ice cream or whatever like most of the <laughs> most of the joy but it's not the first and uh also in that he makes the film that he sort of bullshits into existence in this movie about the the trotsky like, pastry chef the musical uh, comedy right yeah. and it is a musical comedy there's like a bunch of mambo in it but anyway the clothes in that are actually even better in Aprile, if you can believe oh wow it, so. okay i believe it it's a, yeah. a feast for the eyes for the fashion curious um i love that uh aaron what did you think of the film you just said that you liked it is that how you usually conduct your podcast you just say it's that's, good and that's you turn off it's the good computer. and then i and then i turn it over to the guests of course it's basically uh, it's like the mike mitchell school of movie criticism no that's right uh no so i mean like I said, this is the first time I've seen the, the film. I very much enjoyed it. It's funny that you bring up Woody Allen. He was one of the kind of first connections I made to this as I was watching. And I'm like, it's got that sort of like neurotic quality. You know, he's a, he's a little bit kind of just like nervous and, and has this kind of like, you know, just very 
chatty, you know, loose energy to him. He's prickly uh, as well. Like the, the world, no, nothing is the way it should be, you know? Right, right. Well, and he even tells that gentleman, you know, on the in the uh, Mercedes that he pulls up next to at the stoplight <laughs> yeah. where he's like, I'm, I'm basically forever going to only ever identify with a, a minority of people in the world. Like I just, I believe in people, just not, right. not the majority of people. Um, so it does have that quality to it a little bit in the sense that it's like, you know, very kind of like personal essay or like narrative that's sort of, you know, this first person kind of just pontifications and like flood of consciousness to it. But as I was watching it, I was actually sort of struck by how little Moretti has in common stylistically with anything that Woody Allen does. Uh, and I had this affirmed for me actually by the great Jonathan Rosenbaum in a piece that he wrote, uh, a review that he wrote at the time. Uh, where he says essentially in so many words that it, the only way you need the only thing you need to do in order to confirm that Moretti is a superior filmmaker is watch 10 minutes of each of their movies, um, which I, you know, maybe I wouldn't go that far. I like quite a few Woody Allen movies. Sorry to our, our listeners who, you know, find him irredeemable, but he certainly is uh, not without talent, you know, uh, unfortunately, but this film feels like really in conversation with a lot of European cinema. It's obviously yeah, like, absolutely. you know, uh, has a lot of things going on that feel uh, very indebted to an entire generation of Italian filmmakers before this. But as I was watching, I also was struck by uh, its similarity to some of the French new wave or those people proximate to it. Like I, I thought of Rene immediately We'll talk a little bit more about about why and and what have you, but uh, just sort of the the personal essay kind of quality of it that feels, yeah. despite the fact that it has nothing to do with it narratively, but it's a lot like Night and Fog in parts. Mm, um, in that first Vespa scene, I, I noticed some like Romare in here as well. That that mm. middle chapter feels a lot like that kind of like you know ennui and sort of like social alienation that comes about in some of his films like the green ray it, it just it seems to have like a tenor of a lot of different european cinema and i wonder if this film and moretti as a filmmaker are so uh is so beloved uh by the con audience just because of how indebted it is to french cinema and italian cinema both well i want to talk about the can of it all a little bit and and what you said you just said because so this is in 1994 this it wins best director at mm -hmm. Cannes as you mentioned the same year as Pulp Fiction wins uh, the Palm I want I, I, my understanding is that basically because the rules at Cannes say that you can't really give uh, any of those official awards like two of the official awards to the same movie so it's often a a matter of kind of um arranging the movies you like the best into which one deserves you know is, is the actress in this one stronger than the direction whatever yeah. um and so i think it's interesting that clint's jury which by the way just we should say includes Catherine deneuve yes who's a very normal person um <laughs> Kazuo uh, Ishiguro is on there. Yeah, Ishiguro, Alexander Kaidanovsky, the guy from Stalker, like the main yep. guy, the stalker from Stalker. The stalker uh, from Stalker. Lalo Schifrin, Clint's yep. old buddy. Um, Pupi Avati, who is uh, an Italian film director whose professional name is Pupi. Uh, His name is Poopy. I, you came in, yeah. Jake, by the way, with initially your display name on our recording uh, session today as Poopy. Was Poopy, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, his uh, name is Giuseppe. I guess Poopy is a a nickname for. Did you ever meet a, any Poopies, uh, Carly, when you were over there? 
Not besides the one up on the strip. I don't think so. But I do like the way that they shorten Italian names. Yeah, I find yeah. it very endearing. Well, like Nani is, of course, a Giovanni. And Giovanni, Giuseppe yeah. is a poopy. Have you seen any poopy Avati movies, by the way? Like Zidair or The House with Laughing Windows? I have not seen any of them. I find Jolly to be very, uh, lo- have a very low hit rate for me because they're mm, often... Okay. They have they're great as like trailers, but the movies themselves it's uh, it's a lot of dullness. Ian, have you well, yeah, we could say like Suspiria, to me one of the great films of all time. Something yeah. like Four Flies on Grey Velvet. Some of the deepest sleep I've gotten of all time. That film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, We're, we are no longer going to besmirch any Italian directors or, okay. or genres on a on a show uh, well, about I, a Nanni Moretti classic. I, I think. I think. Looking at it in comparison to Pulp Fiction is very interesting. I don't know if anyone would ever do that if they hadn't both won uh, big con prizes the same year. But they are both about, they're both clearly from the perspective of somebody who's like interacting or or understanding the world through film, which I think there's probably four people on the call right now who, who relate to that. And where Tarantino will make a movie full of knowing references and a kind of uh like world weariness that only comes from seeing like fake heads being fake exploded a million times <laughs> right uh, uh moretti is like you know his his eyes will uh immediately go to any screen that's on there's a scene in this where he just he is sucked into a film that's playing on television in a a cafe or obviously mm-hmm. they go to Stromboli which is the island from the film with the you know the I think most people know that island as the place from the movie with Isabella Russ or uh, Ingrid Bergman on it mm-hmm. um there's there's references to or he goes to um the place where Pasolini was murdered right he, he's watching a Scola film at the beginning uh, to talk yes. kind of like what Aaron's saying about how much he is thinking about this previous generation of italian directors exactly Mm. and i so i think it's it's much more aware of the small embarrassing universe that you (laughs) keep yourself in when you are the kind of person that we are um and even like the soap opera like consumes his this his philosopher friend like there's a way that he he knows there's like there's like a i don't know an addicting or like uh parasitic effect to being a, f- a film head but also there's a beauty to it i mean it's it's so interesting the movie it opens with he's riding his vespa around rome because all the cinemas are closed in august and mm-hmm. then he explains that the cinemas are only showing all these movies that he doesn't want to see but to him <laughs> yeah. that means they're closed they're like, closed <laughs> yeah like like uh henry portrait of a serial killer we'll talk uh, which about i would that. argue is an interesting film but um I wonder I wonder what Tarantino thinks of this film first of all. Like this is this wor- a worthwhile effort in his eyes? Is this a movie mm-hmm. the kind of movie he wants to watch or would he rather just put on um what is the thing called the the rat the cop and the fist or whatever, you know, that that's the kind of Italian movie mm-hmm. that right. uh, that Tarantino respects in my mind. Sure. Something more like uh, along the lines of, yeah, I mean, Tarantino is obviously, I think, you know, a, a fan of Jolly, um, but spaghetti westerns, of course. I mean, Leone mm-hmm. is like, you know, the the guy he's been trying to 
sort of architect his movies around and, and reach the heights of for his entire career. Yeah. Um, but I think that you're right. This is more ingrained. It's more nuanced than a, than a Tarantino who's riffing on, you know, the cinematic landscape and genre filmmaking and things like that. And this very much is like kind of a, it's a personal essay of Moretti's. It's done stylistically in a very kind of interesting sense too. We'll, we'll talk about each one individually, but just kind of like at a bird's eye view. I don't know if you all noticed this uh, as acutely as I did, but as the film goes on, it's all done in, you know, with this kind of framing device of, of Moretti, journaling he's writing in his diary right. hence the name dear diary and each one of them is supposedly like a, a diary entry uh and so they have this sort of like faux doc kind of style to them but also personal narrative sort of thing with with voiceover um but the formal qualities of that shift in each of the individual entries where you have it explicitly in voiceover in the first entry by the time we get to isole the second entry where he's island hopping with his friend gerardo uh, he's starting to vocalize his journal entries as he's writing them, and then in the last uh, entry, in the last chapter, Medici, uh, he is actually making the narration part of the diegesis of the film. And there's like an mm-hmm. interesting narrative thing that he's doing where he's speaking aloud in the frames, you know, this this diegetic dialogue that are journal entries before the scene begins. And it's just interesting that he's kind of showing like the malleability of the format, that it's not simply just this kind of like uh, you know, voiceover and then play acting kind of back and right. forth. Yeah, it's it's postmodern in in the way that it's foregrounding. It's like the the mediation of what we're seeing rather than being postmodern in the sense of somebody uh misquoting the bible in the same way that a sunny chiba film does to be clear i think pulp fiction is great i i just uh there's a way that this movie feels like uh i don't know i think it probably it makes me smarter to like this movie better than pulp fiction so that's what i'm trying to project <laughs> i will grant that to you jake that you are a thank smarter you, person for loving this movie more oh thank um God. and and i think that you're right there's uh yeah, I, there, there's something about, I think, Tarantino specifically that has evolved and become a much stronger storyteller. You know, the further in his career he's got along, he's still very much, you know, kind of a victim to his his early fixations and the kind of films that have influenced his entire career. But I, he, he's doing more interesting things now, stylistically, than he was in 1994. To your point, Aaron, about the distinct styles of the three, I, I don't need to... Pray into the bad listicle instinct of ranking them, but I will say probably my personal enjoyment of of the first is the highest, and I think in part mm-hmm. that's because what what I was saying earlier about it not being Woody Allenish because it leaves space for you to have your own experiences. I mean, Carly immediately talked about like you know her feeling watching this, thinking about when she was in Rome. I don't think you even need to have been to Rome because he's allowing you these like several seconds in each shot to say you know, what do you think about this uh, housing development or whatever? What do you think about this this place that right. I'm driving through? You kind of having your your interaction with it and then he comments on it and you're sort of allowed to interact with his interaction. Uh, but I think it's wonderful, like you're saying, that he has the confidence to say like, okay, you know, you, we can do that and we can try something else and they fit together somehow uh, because there's these different levels of text and meta text and, you know, the amount that I'm going to allow you guys to be a part of this. Uh I will say we haven't mentioned another influence when I was watching the first section. I, w- I was one of my thoughts was, wow, I forgot how much 
Jonathan Demi-esque uh, material there is in this. And then 20 mm. minutes later, he's like, I, I know how much Jonathan Demi stuff there is in here because he talks about Demi and he <laughs> makes fun of critics <laughs> talking about Demi. And he sort of immediately yeah. shames me as a viewer for like feeling smart about, right. you know, knowing who his influences are. So <laughs> yeah, I thought that Funny. was cool. Well, his, his, he's always, as a filmmaker, he feels very approachable in the sense that he's always talking about all films. Obviously, he talks about Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Um, he makes this... He he owns a movie theater in Italy, in Rome, called the uh, Cinema Nuovo Sacer, because he loves the mm-hmm. Sacer Torta. It's his favorite chocolate cake. Uh, yeah. I went there when I was in Rome. It was closed. I just took a picture in front of the gate or whatever. But in 1986, he also makes this seven-minute short film called Opening Day of Close Up, another hit factory huh. fave. Where he talks mm. about the opening day, he was going to show close up there, and he, um, it opens with him reading out from some big printout the number of ticket sales for the Lion King at all these different <laughs> theaters around Rome, because that's where, or like all of Italy, I think he's like uh, in Turin, it sold like seventeen thousand eight hundred tickets or whatever, um, and he's comparing how how close up is selling compared to like. Um, Four Weddings and a Funeral is like the nearest mm. theater and he, he wants to compete with them. He's measuring the the newspaper ads for Il Mostro, the Benini film, and Nightmare Before Christmas and calling his like assistant <laughs> and saying, we, our ad needs to be as big as Nightmare Before Christmas in tomorrow's newspaper. Um, so like, there's a sense that even though I don't know if everybody in Italy goes to see this mo- these movies, but that he thinks of himself as making films to compete with all films not just Hmm. he's not just indebted to he's not in the next in the line of antonioni he's also the next in the line of um like andrew davis or whatever like the movies they were coming he's he's making movies that come out in the 90s you know they aren't like for all time which i think is interesting carly you connected this one to close up pretty quickly and beyond i think just like the sensation of watching somebody drive around on a vespa Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh-huh Yeah, I think the parallels are, you know, aesthetic in the sense that, like, you you get those, like, behind him driving shots that you get a lot in Kiarostami's close-up. But I also found myself thinking about how the protagonist in both of these films does a lot of kind of, like, wandering and, Mm. like, talking to people and asking questions and, um, and also this idea of, like, seeing the world through some type of mediation, like understanding it through film or understanding it through this idea of like posing as being a filmmaker, which Nani does um, in the same way mm-hmm. that um, we see in close up. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. As this sort of like, you know, literal and metaphorical like curtain to be behind so that you can actually gain access gain Mm -hmm. more access than you would if you were just like being a person and i want to go back to something you said ian um that i really really agree with and that i want to say something more on which is this idea of like leaving space and i was feeling this in particular when he went to ostiantica which is where pasolini was murdered yeah Mm -hmm. um and it's this like really kind of like barren landscape and um it is near like one of the oldest ports of rome um which is like this thing that like made rome this like 
global power back in in the day um and now it's it's this place where this tragedy happened and also where it's kind of like um it's a a pretty like major archaeological site now so it is very much about kind of like death and decay and like detritus um and like things from the past kind of like haunting this place I recognized it and an Italian obviously watching this film would recognize it as the place where Pasolini was murdered or or found murdered. Um, but he doesn't, Nani doesn't say anything about it. All right. he shows us is him just sort of like walking the area um, and it's adjacent to him, you know, thumbing through papers with Pasolini's death Um noted so we can make the connection but that's really all he gives us and i i liked that in particular because even if you're an audience member that doesn't understand the significance of that site the fact that he leaves it open i think kind of allows you to take in the the haunting quality of the place and the fact that he's this you know lone figure sort of walking across it um, and I just appreciated that about a lot of elements of the film, even when he's very talky and he is, he's a, he's a chatterbox, Nani. <laughs> um, but he still, I think, gives us room, even in the third chapter when he's directly narrating what's happening um, in the space and the time that it's happening. He still gives us room to kind of come to our own conclusions um but then there are times when he's much more manipulative like the fact that he opens the third chapter by telling us that he has cancer and Mm -hmm. then spends the entire rest of that chapter undergoing all of these um you know ineffective treatments to get to the point of finding out that he has lymphoma um but still even knowing that like i found myself curious i was like what's this doctor going to tell him? And maybe they're right this time. Mm -hmm. And, oh, it was cancer, but maybe it's not cancer. Like, I just, um, I like that even, my point is that even when he's being really handsy and, um, and talkative in the film, like, there's still room for the audience to ponder what's happening and and come to our own conclusions. The thing that I I find interesting about, Moretti as a, a figure in the way that he kind of chronicles his own journeys throughout this is that he seems to be readily introducing us to many of his not just complexities but inherent contradictions a lot mm. of the things that he believes and I don't think he's ever sort of trying to posit himself as an authority which uh, again I think is a thing that uh, the aforementioned Woody Allen also does well right in, in some yeah. of his films you know that like while he is also uh, you know, our our narrator and, and providing us with sort of the context as as he sees it. Uh, Moretti, like, is someone who seems uh, a little contradictory, a little bit confused at certain times. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the one of the things that I, like, I thought to myself as I was watching this is like, I get the sense that Pasolini, the director of Salo, 120 Days of Sodom, uh, might find something interesting in henry portrait of a serial killer uh you know that like he he may have something more to say about this than just being openly dismissive of it uh but beyond that too like you know he's going around town and and you know we should say too moretti is somebody who's like a very identified leftist he has dabbled in kind of explorations of the communist party in his films 
Um, he has uh, taken shots at Berlusconi in his filmmaking as well. Several times, yeah. Several, several times. Um, and this is like right on the eve of Berlusconi's first election as prime yeah. minister. In fact, this movie comes out. Um, but, you know, he has these sort of like, you know, kind of inherent ideas and, and kind of political textures to himself. Uh, he, you know, sort of thumbs his uh, nose at like the bourgeois of one of the the neighborhoods, you know, who left Rome in the 60s and went right. out and, you know, have these jogging suits and watchdogs in the garden and, and video pizza tapes, and cardboard boxes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but when it comes time for him to admire, uh, you know, like something that is inherently more, uh, you know, representative of like the working class, he goes to a, a project like a neighborhood called Spinacetto. And he's like, I'm going to go and see it because I hear how bad it is. And when he goes, he literally just does a cursory kind of like drive-by and like looks at mm -hmm. it for a moment and says it's not as bad as i thought it was going to be i was expecting far worse and uh, observers like i was thinking the same thing and he's like okay well ciao goodbye <laughs> um you know he, he, he doesn't want to engage with like the textures yeah. of poverty or or with you know like what that experience might be he just wants to see it and say like you know, from a distance, it doesn't look as shitty as I thought it was going to. Yeah, Jake and I texted a little bit earlier today about his comfort or discomfort. Jake put it really nicely saying like a pro worker person who's clearly from the bourgeois himself. Uh, and how does he like struggle with that? Being interested yeah. in representing yeah. these people, knowing that he cares about them, but also being a guy who all his friends are Joyce scholars who claim to not watch television or something, right? So, like, how do you mm -hmm. be the guy who is yep. pushing for other voices <laughs> when maybe you don't know a ton of other people with these other voices? And on the one hand, I, you right. know, this in Woody Allen, it seems like his solution is just to to say like, well, I'll just talk about the stuff I know. It seems like Moretti. I guess I want to give him a tiny bit more credit. He's saying like, look, I know it's stupid that I'm talking about this stuff, and there is more outside of that. But I also still, this is the only thing I know how to talk about. And I guess I prefer that option. I also would prefer for there to be directors, you know, from other places and other backgrounds who have different experiences that aren't just, you know, children of academics or people who go to Tisch or USC or whatever. But I understand if you are a guy whose parents were, I think his, you know, his parents were teachers and like essayists and his brother is... Franco Moretti, if you're familiar with like uh, digital humanities stuff, very famous guy in this this field. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Not my favorite, I will say, but popular, famous. And I think it's okay that he says, look, I, the people I hang out with are these pretty arch, fairly neurotic intellectuals. But like you're saying, Curly, when he goes to the beach, he doesn't feel the need to... I guess I would imagine like a Woody Allen voiceover about how he feels conflicted about being at the, the Pasolini murder beach. And, you know, all we're getting is like this filtered version of it. Uh, and instead we get kind of what I think you guys are both talking about, which is this ability to, to use irony in the way that maybe American cinema doesn't always do it, where it's just leaving things in tension and just saying like, you know what? I'm comfortable with that tension. That's fine. I don't have right. to feel like there needs to be a resolution or that's a problem. Because I think you could read the beach scene that you're talking about, Carly, as him. Because he kind of just like goes in and out, like you're saying. And that could be him being unable to find, you know, any any like resolution from having visited this place. Or it could be him feeling like, you know, maybe sometimes you just got to walk through a place. And that's all you can do to, to engage with something. So it feels like both those impressions are there and 
it doesn't seem to be a problem for him that he can just say, you know, both of these things can be true and that's fine. Yeah. And I love that about his temper in the film, too, that he like isn't you know like explosively angry or like an asshole he just is like kind of a guy that's sweet and curious and kind of approaches things that are both terrible and horrible and also things that are like banal and and fun and silly with like the same the same um temperament and that like that showcases to me like the complexities of like just being a person and like not necessarily being a character which i think it could be easy to Mm -hmm. interpret you know that oh he's like playing he's playing a character but i think he's he's better at at just sort of like allowing for there to be this tension like you say ian not just because he's not constantly commenting on things but also because like he's not necessarily giving us like a read like for us to have like a proxy for our experience like through him like he's kind of just like you know the happy wanderer but not even happy he's just like a guy and the other thing that I felt watching him is with the three chapters in particular like you start with him traversing Rome and then you start and then you go to him traversing like parts of Sicily and other parts of the the south in Le Isole and then you go to him traversing his body but what maintains the throughout each of those chapters is that his mind is like really the thing that like he's traversing Mm -hmm. in every single chapter I felt like he was as he was like exploring these physical spaces and then his own body physically, he's doing a lot of introspection. Um, And that's not just because it's called dear diary, but like the, the introspection isn't literal. Like he's not necessarily like talking about his inner thought process. He's narrating to us like what's going on and, you know, some things that he thinks about certain, um, certain things that are happening to him. But the introspection actually felt like it was something he was doing, like, physically. Like, as he moved through space, that's him, like, moving psychically. Hmm. And I don't, like, know if that's right or good, but that's the thing that I felt when I was watching it. And I just, like, liked that whether that's right or good or not doesn't really matter. Like, he made a film that I could, like, come to that conclusion with. And, like, that he is enough of a formed person and character for me to make that sort of conceit about but not so much so that like I even am fully like feel like I'm standing on solid ground with that assertion I I think it's a very interesting way to conceive of the movie like a I think a an astute one I was watching a sort of retrospective like making of thing that that he did uh, I think a few years ago where apparently he the original idea he just wanted to make a movie about how much he liked riding around Rome on his Vespa un filmino a little a short film he said a little film um and then he said he liked the tone so much that he thought I'm going to expand this into a feature because nobody would watch my short film 
Um, and so then he makes, he starts writing the thing about the islands and then decides that he's also going to talk about his illness, which he, I think had just been filming because he's a filmmaker and that's how he experiences things. Um, and he originally thought about calling the whole movie Isole, like islands, because he was thinking of these neighborhoods in Rome as being islands and the literal islands. And then each of these doctors with their specialties, like they can't see the whole because they're separate. Mm-hmm. And so that, that speaks to this like isolation and kind of um, uh, inability to connect that you're talking about. I think it's, it's, telling that he says and this is like one of the things that i relate to so much about him that um he says dear diary i'm only happy at sea sailing from the island i've left to the one i'm going to which like (laughs) yeah i'm i'm always happiest when i've decided to abandon the thing that was making me unhappy (laughs) and i haven't quite started the next thing that i am hoping is going to make me happy Hmm. um and and um there's also like his his philosopher friend who gets into Gerardo, that's his name, who Gerardo. gets into yeah. Um, yeah. Um, soap operas or telenovelas. He says he's talking about how the Pope has excommunicated them because they harm family <laughs> togetherness. But then he says they, they've actually given us this new kind of distant togetherness with other families. He's basically talking about like parasocial relationships. Um, and then there's even that incredible sequence on the volcano where... He is embarrassed to ask the Americans who have seen, yeah, who've seen the bold and the beautiful like ahead because they get the episodes earlier. He wants to find out what happens to so and so. Like it's it's a totally uncritical um, question about this. He just wants to know what happens. Like he has no his his uh, academic mind is fully turned off, and they're shouting. He's shouting his questions down to Nani, who is then translating them to the family and so there's this these this isolated like um almost now i'm thinking about clint because this is the kind of thing we talk about in in Eastwood movies all the time where yeah of course well i mean look when you're holding a hammer everything looks like clint eastwood um the, the he's <laughs> he's like there's a, this kind of ambivalence about connecting with other people um he is this kind of george costanza like larry david figure where he both needs someone to be near him so that he can tell them about all the things that he finds wrong with everything but also he finds something wrong with everything so he kind of can't stand to be near anybody Mm. um i don't know he he makes a, a series of films i've tried watching some of the earlier stuff where he has a kind of um like alternate persona called Michele Apicella who like has different jobs in different films. I watched mm-hmm. one called Sogni d'Oro, uh, uh, Golden Dreams or Sweet Dreams is sometimes um, translated, which I found pretty hard to get through because he, he, he has, he's still, he's like too mad in it. He's too much of an asshole. He hasn't figured out. And like in this one in Aprile, he's playing Nani Moretti. He's like, he's not that guy. He's toned it down. He softened it. And so this, I think, gets to the space that you guys are talking about, this like entry point for the viewer to experience the world through this guy, or at least like you can disagree with him, um, but he's making it pleasurable and, 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 and uh, I don't know, engaging, 
even if you don't quite agree with how he sees the pizza boxes or whatever. <laughs> I yeah, totally I agree, Stromboli, Jake. Stromboli is like a really good microcosm for what I think you guys are describing because he goes there for Carly, your like psychic journey description, which I love. It's like anger island, right? They finally get there and he's able to express right. his frustration right. about it's, not it's having steaming. done the work. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's also kind of universally recognizable. I, I think all of us have been in long-term relationships, vacation fights. When I saw them in a vacation fight, it was very stressful for me to say like, yes, this is what happens when you know you're supposed to be enjoying yourself and you're <laughs> yes. mad at the person you're with. <laughs> uh, and then it's also very Kiristami that he will briefly become not the main character, right? The protagonist gets overshadowed by somebody else. So this mayor who's like having a Japanese agronomist, he's excited about all these guests and he's like <laughs> so upset good. that the island's yeah. really unhappy and nobody wants to work together. And at least for those couple seconds, <laughs> at least for me, I'm not paying attention to, to Moretti anymore. I'm like, you know, thinking about this guy's travails in his life, how difficult it is to be the mayor of mm-hmm. Stromboli. Uh, he wants to and like then bring, the, gone, bring the island's right? identity back by importing Los Angeles palm trees. Sorry, to <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, right. And, and bringing in a bunch of uh, you know noteworthy Italian artists like the great Vittorio Storaro, yeah, Storaro. behind the camera yeah. To, yeah. to do it. He wants Ennio Morricone right. to soundtrack this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ian, do you? Can you? Or uh, actually, any of you? I guess Ian. I I just assumed you might know about this because you're like. A, a and you're used to asking me questions. Uh, the, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the. This is a like a a very profound moment in Italian politics, and so it's interesting that this is one of his least political, mm-hmm. like at least outright political movement or m- movies rather, because this is the the Mani Politi, uh, political corruption scandal yep. is going on that basically touches like every party in italy it was when they decided we're gonna stop pretending that the mob isn't in control of everything and like right. address it briefly and then they uh, got a couple it, people blown up for it uh yeah because they yep. wanted to prove that they are indeed in control of everything yeah the mob the mob was doing terrorism um yep. yeah towards public way, officials uh, equalizer three in theaters now uh we should <laughs> oh say oh my god Great i film. can't wait to see it <laughs> yeah um but uh it's it's interesting like even the the communist party of italy had to like shake some stuff up at this time i think because mm-hmm. it was so far yeah. reaching and yet he's talking about like tv and orange juice you know this moment um it's one where I think it's like a very legitimate concern. I will say that I live in Mexico. It's also something that they struggle with. You know, very frustrating to feel like even the parties that are maybe more aligned with your views just do corruption, right? It's just so far reaching that, you know, in this case, I think Craxi, yeah. the famous like socialist That's a, a strictly uh, prime a, minister. A, a Italian and Mexican experience. We can't really no, do that at all. Certainly not. But I <laughs> guess in the US, famously, we have just uh, legalized corruption in the form of lobbying. So it's a little bit different. But to feel like, okay, this is a big moment. We're going to clean things up. And then also maybe being realistic and recognizing, okay, even if the Christian Democrats are going to get shut down in Mexico, the pretty, you know, they like the worst offenders are going to go away. Most normal people maybe are aware that you, you're not going to get that excited about the future because that's not really how corruption works. It's extremely difficult to just like pull out by the root mm-hmm. and say it's gone now. So I sympathize with him. And I will say the the next 25, 30 years of Italian politics, I think sort of affirm his 
uh, sense that he doesn't need to be invested in it. I will say that even, you know, you get these like the five star movement, which is just impossible to parse. Like, are they good or bad? They're like green anti-immigrant people. So, uh, and then of course you just have straight up fascists, like the current uh, prime <laughs> yeah. minister. So, you know, I understand why he's not feeling like this is like a new opening up of the future. You know, he, I think in political cinema, uh, particularly Italian political cinema, there's usually a lot of like really explicit ways that they address what's happening. And I think again, the Scola film that he's watching at the beginning, they have this moment, right? Where they're talking about like, Oh, things used to be this way. We've changed. You know, we used to shout violent slogans. We used to be brave. And he says, well, I always said the right slogans. I shouted the right slogans. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is really good. But it's just sort of like dismissing this idea of like, well, we're in the moments we don't really have the distance to address what it's going to be, what it's going to mean. So I'm not going to pretend that I have some great reading on things. Yeah. I mean, I think you're onto something there Ian. you know, which is kind of like maybe a, an inability to totally kind of like distinguish and, you know, be able to, to meet the sort of tenor of the political environment and climate at the time. It feels a little bit too tumultuous. It feels a little bit too big to try to encapsulate. Um, and I, I think it's why he, you know, is, a lot of this movie is so kind of like reflective. It's it's not nostalgic exactly, but there's a lot of looking back. There's a lot of recollections of times past, of the sort of ghosts that kind of haunt Moretti's mind. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of like all over this film. That that uh, Scola film, by the way, is not real. It is a uh, an approximation directed by Nani Moretti that he made for the purposes that of rules. the film. He just like wow. shot a, a, a scene and then uh, shot his that. reaction to it, that. projected on a screen. Um, which I think is is really really nice. Um, just playing around with different formats here. He started with Super Eight and sixteen millimeter. I think I even noticed, you know, Jake, you were saying that he, you know, was already kind of shooting those scenes of his chemotherapy and his cancer treatment. Yeah. And it's a really jarring, uh, like format shift mm. in those sequences yeah. when it happens. It in feels much chapter. grittier. Yeah. Like it's on sixteen millimeter and like really, uh, just very uh, intimate in a in a kind of like devastating and and discomforting way. I do think there is a vantage point from which I can say this film is maybe vaguely political or at least commenting on what's going on in the sense that I think his sort of like astronautical existence (laughs) as a man in Rome, um, this, you know, incredibly powerful city, uh that is in the midst of incredible political tumult that like his inability to maybe sort of like address that directly is in and of itself commenting on it and i mm-hmm. think also we see in this film that he has a lot of he has nostalgia for things that like he was never really a part of mm-hmm. and also represents kind of like a person, a figure who is like anti a lot of the conservatism that dominated Italy, particularly in the form of familial um, relationships. He has like that entire diatribe about like kids ruining everything and like right. interrupting the phone calls and which intercepts about. the phone calls, which they is like almost like phone calls. like a like a, a KGB <laughs> way of of. Yeah, I mean, they're like basically little spies. The children control the island. Um, no, yeah. I mean that's what he says. Yeah, I know that's exactly. And he, what he shows says. like yeah. all of the adults literally like on their knees, like crouching yeah. down, like 
you know, barking and like flapping Getting their wings, like chickens into, yeah, or whatever. Into saying all the animal <laughs> noises, which is basically like he's he's preempting that that Brian Posehn routine uh, <laughs> by like fifteen years. He's got a good uh, stand up bit about as an adult, just like walking around saying what the dog says and what the cow says. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I actually wouldn't mind if most of my interactions were that easier. Um, but I do think that like that is to a certain extent him kind of like in a roundabout way like engaging with this idea of like the Christian Democratic Party uh and and their conserve their conservatism and their ideals about family um and about like you know what that family structure uh means to the country and his friend gerardo also sort of like represents this to a certain extent because he's like no like soap operas let kids daydream they're really important <laughs> like when they used to listen to fairy tales and fables and times past. His, just right. as a, a, an aside his uh like little asides where he is pontificating on the the kind of nature of his academic work and the way it relates to television and thinking about like Italy's most wanted and how like Ulysses was also uh, most wanted by Penelope and and uh, right. Ulysses' son whose name escapes me at this point. Uh, it's just fucking hilarious to me. Telemachus, Telemachus? thank you. Telemachus, Telemachus. Yes. Uh, it's more of a polemicus. This guy's always fucking go. saying a polemic a polemicus. <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh. uh, but all of those are just so fucking funny to me. Just like the way he's trying to relate and and affix his mind to this like thing that he's become obsessed with, and say like, no, no, no. There's there's a validity here to this. There's there's a reason why I'm doing this beyond simply just like turning off my brain. Yeah, but I feel on like the, I got to on the. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I was gonna say very briefly. I feel like I got a new superpower because when. Nani is trying to talk to somebody. I think you mentioned this in the convertible at the beginning of the of the film about his yeah. ideas about feeling like he's in the minority. Uh, every time Jake goes on one of his uh, esoteric joke rants, I can just respond with what the guy responds with, which is Auguri. He just has good luck and then drives. Good luck, yeah. Auguri. Yeah. <laughs> really good luck to you. Yeah. <laughs> good luck to you, buddy. Oh. Yeah. Just um, wishing you I the do- best. I do feel like, though, going yeah, into the, some lead in the, the back half of the um, <laughs> the film, when he's, you know, traversing this landscape of doctors and, um, and they're ineffectively attempting to diagnose him, like, I also kind of felt like that was a vaguely political statement. Like, he... Sure, yeah. He's, you know, certainly commenting on the, the bureaucracy of it all, but I think he says very explicitly like doctors know how to talk they don't know how to listen and there's right. this sense that these doctors are kind of like just you know hawking hawking drugs and and uh you know sending him to the <laughs> la farmacia to buy like yeah. 50 fucking different things All and little vaccines that are going to give him anaphylactic shock well, right and and it is like a he he does leave room for us to be mistrustful of these people and i think that is sort of like you know that could this might be a stretch here but my point is that i think that could vaguely represent uh you could extrapolate that outward toward representing the state to i don't think that's that's a stretch at all because i mean the you know the name for the the corruption scandal is mani pulite like 
clean hands relating to you know sanitation society's ills mm-hmm. uh, all these all these things I, I i don't know if this was the case for you guys when you were watching this last segment but there was something about it to me and you know i mean this is just you know, watching this in 2023 in the United States, of course, and also looking at and observing a, a culture that has some sort of like socialized healthcare system, yeah, <laughs> you know, of some kind. Uh, but just thinking about it and seeing like, oh, you know, like the, the, the kind of, well, my, my first thought was like, it's pretty remarkable to go through what would be for, I think, any American, like any time in the 1990s onward, even before, like a financially and physically life-altering event like that and to have your mm-hmm. principal takeaway be... It's good to have a glass of water before breakfast, right? You know, like, like to, to that <laughs> right. to that be the the kind of shift in his in his lifestyle that uh, uh, he had because of uh, lymphoma. But also well, that we- he was like able to access like a thousand different drugs. Yes. Yes. Oh, all yeah, the drugs, all the different <laughs> like, healthcare. He was able to take a number, right? Like he just like you you yeah. do it the same you would waiting for uh, you know the your time in in the deli. So. Yeah, he had like seven yeah. vaccines mailed to him that he didn't need. Like well, that doesn't uh, yeah. happen here. And he he <laughs> like, still has all the medication because it yeah. wasn't it wasn't uh, financially crippling to purchase one of them. Yeah, I mean we we talk on our show. I'm always threatening to just turn it into an allergy podcast because uh, I, <laughs> as an allergic person myself, obviously as someone who's been itchy my whole life for no good reason, this is like a very grim warning. Uh, mm. Don't take the itching for granted, but. Uh, I, there is something to draw between, for me, you know, he's prickly, he's George Costanza, nothing feels quite right, and being physically, like your body physically reacting to the world around you. I mean, it doesn't turn, mm. it, it turns out not to actually be an allergic reaction, but that's how it's being treated. And allergies themselves, I mean, it's like an autoimmune disease, you're, you're kind of, your body is sort of fighting itself or freaking out for no reason i've i've had the experience of going to um going to a uh acupuncturist to try to at one point to try to cure the allergies and the guy it's being true the guy's korean and it's being translated by he's a very old korean man it's being translated by a woman who i think might be his daughter whose english is certainly better than my korean and uh he's asking me like if there's ever foam in my urine and I'm right. like, I'm here for my, si- about my sinuses. Right. If you've got wind in your blood. Yeah. Have you been exposed to wind? Yeah. And like, um, Carly's going to, Carly's going to, uh, speak to the, the truth behind the, the windy blood. This is a real thing. No, I know. It's real. Car- Carly is, uh, now see, herself a student of Chinese medicine. I She's, see an acupuncturist regularly. Yeah. And I've well, seen, no, the, I, mean, it, I have seen the benefits of it in you. So I, I mean, I it works believe for, in some of this. It stuff. works I mean, for other people. My mom is also like a literal hippie. So like, sure. I'm very into this like shit. Well, I, you know, I mean, it, it works for others, but it's, it's, and it's one of the things where, uh, nothing was working for me. So I was willing to try anything much like Nani. Um, and, you start to think, well, maybe it is possible that I've been uh, standing on carpet and bare feet too much or something. Maybe it's, I mean, <laughs> because medicine is so inexact and, you know, I was joking about depression earlier, but I've taken a number of different medications that the doctor will straight up say, we don't know exactly how it works, but it seems to in many people. Uh 
and the the way that he ends up finding out that he actually has lymphoma is he's got to sort of like almost chart this like nexus point between all these different things that it isn't um and like thank god he figured it out before he fucking died or else yeah. first of all who would have shared the the can jury in 2012 <laughs> uh for example <laughs> yeah uh, true mm-hmm. Carly, you touched really nicely on the institutional critique. And I think it's also kind of cool because now it's something that's much more in the conversation, particularly uh, for women and for people of color who go to the doctor and have to like really advocate for themselves or seek out doctors who are, you know, the same demographic as them or whatever, uh, because they're not listened to. And then there's also this sort of like Thomas Mann's Magic Mountain style critique of just humans who are maybe capitalizing on other people who are just suffering and just using it as like okay we know that you're unhappy with the human condition part of that is disease related part of that is just like the discomfort and failures of society and we will sell you something Mm -hmm. because it might make you feel like there's some sort of solution to these things that maybe don't have a solution right which is not to say that you shouldn't press and and try to figure out what you have and you know get if you can afford it in the u.s because it's basically impossible right get second and third opinions but also being aware that sometimes these people are uh just making you feel like it's something that is resolvable and it's not necessarily right it's like a bigger issue yeah and there's i mean it's kind of like very explicitly illustrated in that one doctor that says um you know Everything is in your mind, basically. Like, tutti depende da lei. Mm-hmm. And he says, like, you know, this is psychological. And then he proceeds to write him a list of drugs to go get. <laughs> yeah. Right. And he's like, right. you just, like, you just got to participate in, yes. like, this thing that's going on with you. And, like, you know, like, don't itch. Yeah. Like, it's just, it all depends on you. And then he gives him this list of things to go buy. And my favorite line in the movie is when Nani says, well, truly, if it all depends on me, then I will not make it. Yeah, basically. yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I uh-huh. immediately screen capped that. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. line. When I it love came it. Up. I'm like, that is that's um, very good. Can I say that uh, this whole the whole time I was rewatching it, Carly, I was looking forward to your what I hope is ten to fifteen uh, fit pick posts. <laughs> All yeah. the screen grabs of the various outfits that he's wearing in this film. Uh, okay, him, but cataloged. also, did you? That will come for the yeah, record. Probably um, screamed at another particular. Did fit. you Ooh. see when they were in the open square in the first chapter of all of those people dancing? And there yeah. was like she's mm. she's literally on screen for like two seconds. Right in the corner, she's like she bisected. looks like a fucking carmen miranda like chiquita banana like she has like a neon fringe like mini dress on incredible and it's like pink and green and and like lime or like neon yellow oh my god well she's gonna show up in that thread we've been talking for so long i can't believe we haven't talked about jennifer beals i was just gonna say we haven't mentioned jennifer beals she's looking real good with her actual husband i think and when she's speaking italian she's like trying to find the right word in italian yeah fucking shoot me in the head like (laughs) incredible Um, she's in a literal sundress she's like when she actually shows up the first time i watched it it's one of those things where you stand up off the couch to like watch (laughs) the movie on your feet for a, a little bit well, the uh, timing is incredible, right? Because it's not yeah. immediately after they talk about it. He talks about Flashdance a bunch. He bothers people with it. 
and yeah. there's like just are you Jennifer like five Beals? minutes, yeah. uh-huh, Jennifer five minutes of other stuff, and then yeah. you get her for real. It's like and not waiting till the end to do a clever sting or something. No, and we and we so see good. her from behind yeah. for the first time right. too, as he's like driving and hops off his Vespa for a minute to pursue yeah. her. Like, and oh, Leah's, he's gonna harass these strangers, right? The same right. way he has at the at the you know square where they're all dancing, where it's like, yeah. oh, are you Jennifer Beals? Are you Jennifer Beals? It's like, yeah. oh, haha, he's doing this still, like he's still fixated yeah. on this, and then she turns around and it's like. Jennifer, Jennifer Beals, Beals like looking gorgeous yeah. like back at you and you're like oh my god I can't believe she's in this fucking movie well and, and she she is trying to find precisely the right word to describe him and it is kind of Carly like what you were talking about like figuring out well no he's not like crazy or threatening he's like the word she settles on is a like, kind of dumb and then she calls, <laughs> yeah. starts calling him peculiar like she's trying he's to pin off. down exactly it's, yeah he's uh-huh. off there's Wind something off yeah. whimsical not whimsical yeah um and uh briefly just like i listened by the way i listened to the soundtrack of this movie weekly probably mm. and i have it's for fantastic good oh, yeah i noticed i was gonna ask you guys about the soundtrack specifically too because like there's uh you know a leonard cohen song as he's driving around right. you know and it's kind of like morose but also gorgeous and has like a kind of kinetic beat to it there's a significant amount though of like what I assume is like a Spanish kind of flamenco in that scene, but then also like Bacanga yeah. and like Afro pop and stuff. Like there's, there's a like lot a, of a weird like world music kind of thing going on. Yeah, in this there's first a lot of sequence. mambo, and especially ma- more mambo in Aprile because he's making a movie set in the 50s, but there is mm-hmm. some mambo in this. And then there's merengue, visa para un sueño. Yeah, right. yeah I love visa playing. para un sueño. Yeah, there's also Batonga, which is uh, by Anjali Kijo, and it's in yep. a phone dialect from Central Africa. Uh, and then there's the song Didi, which was an yeah, enormous Al- I love Algerian it. hit, yeah. like a like Europe conquering Algerian pop hit that's in Arabic. It's come um, out like the year before this, just just right yeah. before the movie. So and this I is knew like this, the big hit. I actually knew this song from a, a a video that was like the sort of office favorite like weird music video because it's <laughs> it's Khaled and some other and uh, another guy performing it on some live performance show That's and really this funny. dude this dude in like a polo shirt with like a soccer team logo on it is just basically like rapping in Arabic. <laughs> he looks like a guy who like uh like works at like the bank or what just like some <laughs> normal looking man uh but is doing this incredible like dancing and like rapping in Arabic. So anyway I was like is that Didi? The song from work, uh, and it it is <laughs> the song and from was, work. There's there's also by the way the the song that transfixes him that's on the television in the cafe is El Negro mm, Zumbón mm-hmm. by Silvana Mangano. And yeah. when it came on, I was like, I know this song. You think about but Avalanche. I don't know oh, exactly that. Yes, it's oh, it yeah. plays the the guitar riff plays in uh, at the very end of Frontier Psychiatrists by oh, the Avalanches. Oh, I'm right yeah. there with you. That was my yeah, exact was experience. Purely psychosomatic. Yes, says in that yeah. song. Can we can we talk about like the the Italian nineties a little bit? Like, yeah, you, I was not like surprised. The, the cinematic nineties. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah, I was because not surprised you guys haven't done a film from the nineties because it's, it's not kind great. Of a fallow period. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. Well, and, and I, I have this conversation with Carly before because Carly's like, I would love to do an Italian film, and I told her I would also love to do that because. Uh, the great ones, or, or even ones that come to mind from the period, are are few and far between. <laughs> and like, well, but the the Italian the, at the same time, there's this big, 
not exclusively Weinstein, but like like Weinstein adjacent or like the one foreign film a year that like moms and aunts get excited about in the the 90s. A few of them are Italian because you've got mm. Il Postino, right. which I think is Il quite Postino. a nice movie. Although the guy, the, the story of it, the, the director and star dying Kevin, tragically. Kevin Costner. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, the the story of the the lead dying uh, is actually less tragic because he basically f- decided to forego treatment for his cancer so that he could finish the movie. Mm. Which, like, sh- shut the fuck up. Go go to the doctor. You fucking idiot. Anyway, go to the doctor. And then you've also got life is beautiful. I recently learned because I just assumed that no one could possibly do this. I, I recently learned Roberto Benigni is not Jewish. Which, oh, like, I, I, just I, I knew this, actually. I, I heard assumed, this. Assumed, like, well, he couldn't. He No one would dare make a movie about being a funny jokester in a concentration camp if they weren't Jewish themselves. But he is not. He pulled, a, he pulled like, a Gentile Day of the Clown cried. But he, like, <laughs> right. then released it. And people yeah. liked it. Yeah. He did a, um, he did a Rachel Senate uh exactly but, uh, you know Yo. in the in the 1990s <laughs> aaron and i are always talking about how rachel senate is uh she's doing jew face um she's and- neither jewish nor <laughs> bisexual and yet <laughs> she reads okay. us both and she knows it and she's that's correct yeah well clearly um, <laughs> clearly that is also what roberto bonini knows like he knows yeah. he reads as right. jewish that's right? why he did a uh, down by law where he's like i'm clearly bisexual so yeah yeah well, it, I will you know, say that's what know, rescues Manini for me. I'm a big down by law head, so yeah. Just me for too. that, but like, I, I've he, seen he Il Mostro. Have you guys seen Il Mostro or any Benini Italian films? No, because it's not. just like just life is beautiful. He's like he's sort <laughs> of a uh, he's like a, a dollar store Jacques Tati kind of right, or like Mr. Bean, Mr. Yeah, Mr. Fagiolo, I guess. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Fagiolo, <laughs> <yes>. Signore Fagiolo, <laughs> wow, um, really? and Fagiolo. he's. Uh, uh, just like watching women uh, change their clothes through a window and then his ladder falls like it, which uh-huh. I think that's an animal house gag, but like that, that <laughs> kind of stuff. Um, this is also, I think in the wake of, of cinema Paradiso. So there's like mm-hmm. Italian films have become kind of saccharine, uh, you know, uh, uh, weepy stuff. And also like life affirming weepy um yep. in the 90s it feels like with the exception of this film which i think this is what made me nervous is that it kind of it feels like it might be bordering on life affirming weepy but then it takes this kind of like i don't know who who knows man turn at the end <laughs> <laughs> he's like you know have a have a glass of water before breakfast it's good yeah. for your kidneys this is also, by the way, Ian, since he's already shamed you once for picking up on the Demi references, uh, that's Jonathan Demi, not Jacques Demi. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. He uh-huh. he gives us the Demi stare at the end while he is chugging a glass of water. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's, it's true. so funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, on the subject of, of 90s uh, Italian movies, though, there is one other one that I, I think of constantly because it's one of the only ones I've uh, ever seen, uh, which is the 
winner of the foreign language film Oscar in 1992, uh, Mediterraneo. Have you guys seen this one? I have I not. I saw that. I saw that uh, come up when I was confirming my suspicions about Italian film in the nineties. What is what's up with that movie? It is about a group of Italian World War II soldiers who I believe uh, their ship sinks or something. I, I don't really recall exactly how they get there, but they get stranded uh, on the Aegean Islands, and it's just okay. the sort of like sun-soaked aimlessness of them kind of trying to find a sense of meaning and companionship and kinship together beyond mm. sort of the strictures of combat. Um, and interesting. It is both quite moving. It's very funny um, very often. Uh, I like it a lot, at least uh, as far as I recall from an Italian cinema class in the year 2011. So Sounds well. like Sonatine. Yeah, I was gonna say sonatine. Yeah, Yeah. I was gonna ask: Is it more sonatine or more Triangle of Sadness? That is, is it good or bad? Yeah, well, (laughs) I haven't seen Triangle of Sadness. I would say that it's probably somewhere in the middle. It's it's quite it's quite good, leaning towards sonatine, but it has a little bit less of its uh, kind of like bleak nihilism to it. It's much more of a kind of life affirming sort of joyous film about more of like a Corelli's mandolin. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Exactly yeah, yeah. That. Well, hey, come on. Ca- he's a captain. Give him his his uh, rank. <laughs> but the book um, doesn't say that. Does I've it? read the book, actually. Oh, guys. oh shit. That's oh, why. God. Yeah. <laughs> I was like in a book club. I don't know. That's nice. It's nice to be it's in fine. a book club. Hey, it's, it's important to connect with other people. That's what they keep telling yeah. me. They're right, yeah. Jake. Hey, They're yeah. right. Speaking of island hopping, <laughs> would you all have spent an evening in uh, Panarea, Panera Bread? Hell no. This is I extremely was made, relatable I made the same joke to here. me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> like, well, but then I also thought, like, do I? I don't quite have. I, I feel like I'm always figuring out that the reason that I don't like a place is because it's like Yuppieville. I'm always figuring this out, like, two days three after hours into it. being <laughs> okay. upset. You know? Like, yeah. What? What do I right. not like about this? Why, why does this fucking suck? Oh, it's because everyone. And then here I sucks. realize, oh, it's because like everyone here is like a has like a marketing job and likes it. You know. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, As evidenced by all of the sweaters on their shoulders, like mm-hmm. literally mm-hmm. everyone in the shop yeah. is has yeah. knitwear on their shoulders. Absolutely. Uh, put your knitwear on. You know, that's what it's for. Put it on or don't. Right. Speaking of all the the other islands, uh, the one that we already mentioned, Salina, which is controlled by children, Mm -hmm. uh, got me thinking uh, about how pleased I am with my decision uh, never to procreate and uh, produce my own children. And I know that this is a subject we've talked about offline before, that both of my uh, male identifying guests have consented to speaking about on the show, uh, that all of us are either uh, already sterilized or are uh, imminently going to be. The three uh, of us are in each of the three stages of... of uh, <laughs> yeah. Of sterilization. Sterilization. The, the maid. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the father, of the us, son, and the Holy I'm, Spirit. Yeah. I'm going about on three legs in the afternoon or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. So Ian's been vasectomied for uh, a few a f- years. Full five years. Uh, Big yeah. time. Love it. Bravo. Yeah. I, I had, the. they took a little off the top for me a, a week and a half ago. <laughs> That's um, right. So I'm... I'm basically healed up. And and I am on the cusp at the moment. Yeah. So I have an imminent uh, procedure uh, scheduled right now for mid-February. 
Mm. And I've already got uh, several four hour plus movies queued up to watch on the days that I've taken off work by uh, definitely malingering a little bit and exacerbating the situation and condition that I will be in after it. Um, An elephant not only sitting still, but icing his nuts. That's exactly right. An elephant sitting yeah. still. Uh, the bell noisus, uh, which is what we're calling oh, yeah. my testicles during that. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna ring beautiful, them like the a bell. beautiful nuisance. We'll call them. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. A critique of Capital here, because another thing Jake and I had in common is that we were both back at work very quickly after this medical yeah. procedure. Because I went was... to the I went back to work the next day because you I did. was afraid yes. to ask uh, for it off. I spent the whole time on the couch. And then uh, my my boss uh, directly chided me for phoning it in, and I was like, "Do I tell him that I have uh, barely healing incisions in my genital area, or do I just say you're right? I did phone it in. Thanks for the note." <laughs> and I chose the latter. Um, and this right. is an older hey, Jewish fair. man who you can tell about any medical procedure. Like that's the thing mm. that the, that's never inappropriate for them. Yeah, of course. They'll ask who did it, and they probably know the guy <laughs> for sure. Well, and and so to be clear here, like I, I want to stress too for anybody who's thinking about the procedure, uh, like from what I have heard and from the reports you two have given me, in the grand scheme of things, uh, the the discomfort is not. Oh, minimal, yeah. Uh, very, very minimal, especially yep. considering uh, any number of different procedures or birth control yep. uh, steps and measures that any woman could take. So, yeah, it's well, like, let's, you know, let's be inclusive here. Any nuts and penis haver, uh, if you've had, if you've been hit in your nuts before, that was probably worse than mm-hmm. the feeling of this procedure. Yeah, and they yeah. asked this motherfucker if he wanted Xanax. They asked okay. me if I wanted like, Ativan. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, the, I forgot the about that. They did ask if they I wanted. I didn't. Yeah. I think about it a lot. <laughs> you want a Xanax <laughs> prescription after the, the fact? And I'm like, the no, IUD I'm is okay, basically uh, a, like a form of torture. Yeah, um, and not it's just so during much, the insertion and removal yeah. procedure, but everything after the fact because mm-hmm. of the, the right. hormonal Often the periods. Shit. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and this is you know, uh, f- folks with your with nuts and penises out there, take an active role in your uh, the birth the family planning in your relationship, because uh, the the uterus haver in your relationship uh, is going to be real pleased about it, and they will probably go get you. Not they won't just get your your ice pack out of the freezer for you they'll probably bring a popsicle back with them and that is a beautiful thing it is yeah it's a beautiful thing look you guys have it real rough i get it uh (laughs) (laughs) you had to go to work thank you you. it sucked yeah um yeah so like here's the thing uh periods on iud's when you have like the copper one which is the one that i have which is what you need to have if you don't want to get cancer yeah that's a big thing yeah. yeah, you get they, to, you they, get they to they pick suck. hormone cancer well, then, or... Or you could go with uh, birth control pills and maybe get a blood clot that kills you. Yeah, yeah of course. So I, I did that. I or had like depressed a, and suicidal. I had a solid 10 yep. years of that, you know, starting mm. high school, whatever. Um, and like, I, I'm i excited to get this IUD out because, uh, you know, I have like back breaking cramps every month and i have Jesus. to like go to work and like pretend like yeah. i'm fine and like make jokes for people and be cute uh-huh. and wear mascara <laughs> um 
and and um not just that but like i am tired just like broadly speaking not even necessarily directed at you i'm tired of being the she sole... looked at my penis by the way not at me she looked down at my penis <laughs> tired i'm tired, tired of you you're <laughs> fucking <laughs> bullshit um i'm tired of being like the sole like weight bearer of birth controlling mm-hmm. like yeah. it's yeah. just like I'm the one that has to be like, okay, let me ask my fucking OBGYN what he thinks this weird shit is or why, you know, I don't have my period this month or like whatever. Yeah. It's just like, it's a lot. And if we're talking about, you know, the, the bureaucracy of, of medical care, whether it's in uh, Italy or the United States, it's certainly far worse. Um, I think like even just, hearing about the experience that you all and other friends of mine that have had vasectomies where they're like oh yeah like they numbed me and they asked me what music i wanted to listen to they Mm -hmm. gave me like a sucker and whatever like my lady who put my iud in was like uh i guess take some advil uh like on your way out See ya. We are very <laughs> uh, insulated from any discomfort. No one asked me if yes. I wanted to right. next. I yep. will just tell you that. I, yeah. You had like seven consult calls. Like, yeah, it's insane. Uh, it's well, to, to be clear, that. I had yeah. one consult call and then I called them seven times a week to try yeah. to get someone to call me back to finally right. schedule my bullshit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we got it. We got it done. It's on the books. But yeah. Now. I mean, my my copay, I don't know if this is this speaks to my insurance, but my copay on my my open market plan that I have, it was $85 to get sterilized. Rock and roll. Um, not too bad. Not bad at all. Uh, you walk out of there. They gave me some gauze to take home. Um, and <laughs> they gave me two little jars for my sample. Uh, that I have to take to the lab yeah. to make sure that my oh, shit's right, all done. Oh, right, because you guys, you guys have to go back several times, right? To well, check. for me, just I, just, one time, I, think. I, I just bring... No, I have to do it twice, I think. Yeah, I did it mm. twice um, as well. Yeah. Ian told me that they told him that it had to be uh, delivered within 15 minutes of blast <laughs> yeah. off. Yeah, which, which is, is really cool. Because crazy. basically, you're just saying like, you're looking somebody in the eyes and they have to know like okay pretty recently it's been you were, like yeah you've got, you've yeah. got a nut in the car Wait, <laughs> well, I, yeah. what i what i've heard that's insane carly that's insane. I, I, i've heard i've seen this on twitter fairly often there's like a i don't know if it's a bit that ever that that ladies are playing on us fellas or if it's true but they say that you know like we, the the ladies they always know if you've just if you're within an hour of uh, yeah, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You ever seen this? The girl, the the girls on Twitter, they're always like, "Oh yeah, we know." If you've you're if thinking you, like, of those those accounts are run out. by those accounts are run by dogs who can <laughs> smell ejaculate in your crotch and put their yeah. nose directly. Well, in wait, but the, literally, yeah. just like, hang on. Logistically, yeah. you have yep. to do it in the car, then, right? Because then well, you're wa- well, like, it's a ten you minutes to I walk. Can tell you, I mean, I for Ian to be on the fucking bus. Guy doesn't yeah, have a I was car. about to say I didn't have a car, so I had to do it in the hospital bathroom. Yeah, which is, okay. yeah. that's fine. Okay. That's fine yeah. to do. That's allowed. That's fine I think to that's, do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but but the craziest part of this, <laughs> they told me, next day is fine. You can what? do it the day before. Bring it in. Well, they told I have me, no questions about that because sperm I know famously that... die very quickly. Yes, they do. Well, but I think you're just not. Sub- I think you're supposed to just not have any sperm. So whether they're dead or alive, wanted dead or alive, you know. 
real PSA because somebody in my life yeah. also got a vasectomy and they went back and it was not successful. So you should yeah. definitely take that part seriously because you don't oh, no, want to should be impregnating your partner yeah. unknowingly. Get it done. Check on it. Make yeah. sure that it's, it's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I mean, frankly, just really impressed that they were able to make an incision without all of the pee coming out. I don't know how any of balls. that works. I right. mean, that yeah. seems right to me. Because the pee is stored in the balls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. LeBron <laughs> James taught us this. Well, yeah. and to be fair, you were super numb, so you don't know. It could have very much looked like the uh, like laser incision in like the face hugger, like with the acid spitting out. Like that yeah, 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 yeah. It. It or did. like you know how when you cut, um, if you watch Bake Off when they're making bread, when you cut. Yeah. Oh a, yeah, they use the, the little and, the, like, the 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 razor on like the razor, the, the toothbrush yep. handle or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, my, my, uh, my shit definitely looks like when, uh, somebody on Bake Off gets mad and throws their thing in the garbage <laughs> can and then brings Ian, the garbage can up famous, to the, yes, famous Ian. Ian. Yeah, that's the famous one of the only Ian. Ian's that's ever made yeah. a mark on television. And he, he brings his, uh, his trash can up to the judge's table. Anyway, that's, that's what my, he my was whole, uh. such a fucking baby. Yeah, I hate that we, guy. Can we, can we talk for just a second? I don't know how we haven't mentioned this. Nanny Moretti is so hot in this movie to me you're allowed he's to like, think yeah. that he yeah such great. a such a babe in this movie he's a babe. and still looks good he's um, a sharp looking guy yeah he's very uh, yeah i like him kind of grayed now he's got italian yeah. men yep. famously hot yeah like, he's yep. really really northern italian though he's like he almost is. swiss yeah he's from the Tyler yeah. or yeah. austrian that, or like, whatever lighter mm-hmm. lighter yeah. hair and it's for where they make those hats that you like so much ian <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> a Tyrolean hat. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I noticed that in some of the credits on this, you know, you've got the very like distinctly Italian names, then you've got some people whose last names are like von Guten Schlemsheim. Sure. I'm like, oh, those are the Alto Adige guys. Those mm-hmm. are the yeah. uh, the, the northern yeah. or like Alina Wertmüller, you know, these exactly yeah. Alina Wertmüller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's crazy how different people over there in Europe, they're like moving around and stuff. Like, I think you should have yeah. to have the moving name around. from wherever you are. You it's kind of wild how they have such permeable boundaries over there. Yeah. They should start some sort of well, union. You, you are and, starting uh, to sound like an Italian guy, I will say. A yeah. lot of what they're saying these days is that exact. Oh, That's shit. That's true. Okay. <laughs> I have been, I have said this before. I just want to get this recorded somewhere so I can stop thinking that this is worth saying. But uh, if, for example, if Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., the president of the United States, oh, okay. was trying to talk about a, a, a theoretical Italian man, and he said that the guy's name was Michelangelo Antonioni, he would have to issue an apology. <laughs> he would have to. He would have it was, to. It would cause an international <laughs> incident to make up that an Italian guy's name is Michelangelo Antonioni. Yeah. Well, just and imagine yet, him. Imagine him, yet, you know, trying to create like an everyman Italian and calling him like Luigi the plumber or something um, like that. Yeah, exactly. Did you guys see the Super Mario movie? No. Because it starts not. in, it opens in real New York, <laughs> like in Brooklyn. Like real ass New York. Okay. Yeah. With, with a, a background with, a, with an establishing shot that includes one World Trade Center, hmm. which mm. yields... A serious implication. A lot of questions. You could have just not included that. Yeah. Like, you could have just had them live somewhere where you can't see any of the notable New York buildings, which is plenty of parts of New York. The Empire State Building. No, I'm I'm 100% sure it is... 
It is one, one World, World Trade, Trade Center. Center. Do we know the if it's the north or the south one? No, I mean, it's the new one. The new one. Oh, oh the which, new one. Which, of course, yeah, like, means that 9-11 has occurred. In yes. Not only, yeah. Th- yeah. Well, not only has 9-11 occurred, but the the blow up of the Bon Appetit YouTube Speaking channel has occurred because they work <laughs> out of one World Trade Center. Yeah. So gotta yeah, 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 yeah. That everyone is in this world. Uh, Mario and Luigi are like, damn, I really, I liked that Claire Saffitz, but now I can't watch these videos because I know she's a... <laughs> you know an, an enemy of the people yeah. right and they don't hire people of color on their cooking staffs there. they don't they no. uh yeah. nanny moretti if you're listening there's some political textures here if you want to make your next film about <laughs> vasectomies and the super yeah. mario movie both well his most uh, recent film uh played at can this year yes it did um what's it called? it's called a better tomorrow Right. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it stars Chalion a, Fett. A, a brighter tomorrow. Yeah, about El Sol de la Venire. A brighter tomorrow. And a, a lot of the uh, the reviews were like, I mean, if you like Nanny Moretti's thing, you'll like this. And I'm like, don't threaten me with a good time. Like, that yeah. sounds great. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? Sounds great. I don't know. It's like the other ones. Yeah, good. Okay, I'm glad. What do you, you want Nanny Moretti <laughs> to make like, I don't know, something else? No. He does his he does his one thing. Um, well, gang, we have gone long on Nanny Moretti and Caro Diario. We've talked about uh, our our testicles. We've talked yeah. about uh, any number of well. things. Yeah. Are there any other stray observations we want to be sure to to get in before we wrap up today? Uh, nothing in particular. I did think I liked the choice of Joyce as a figure for for Gerardo's writing the because. Of uh huh. In part because I think it is a classic work of fiction that is obsessed over mm-hmm. uh, hyper postmodern consideration, and in fact, in itself, is kind of often like a lowbrow slice of life piece of fiction, right? So right. it's like mm. denying kind of what has come after it, and I think it, that just makes for a nice uh, bit of irony. Here. I do like I, that. I'd like to say something about this. Uh, something spoken in this film. By Jennifer Beals. Reminded me so much of Ian. And I just want to share it. She says, I think this guy may be a feet maniac. (laughs) (laughs) And her husband is like, should we go? And she's like, no, No, we just have to stay calm. He's okay. Well, uh, and as, as evidenced yeah. by our podcast, as long as you do, uh, keep an even hand, stay pretty cool, and just, you know, mildly humor Mm -hmm. him. Uh, keep them under we, we get through it. We, we do it. Yeah, we keep I it don't like it. when we insult our guests. I don't enjoy it. It's not my wow. favorite thing to do. I'm just Should playing along. I'm trying to be polite. To Should we not yeah. do that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have something like sort of serious to say that I Please. forgot to say. Um, there's this concept of um, fare una passeggiata in Italy which is like you take a stroll and you um, he says it at one point he says varo un giro when he talks about like I went I went for a walk and like I, I sort of like took in the neighborhoods and you know was um, was talking to people but this this idea of the passeggiata is very much a part of Italian culture and it was something that I like as an American had to adjust to when I was there because when you are out in public, you are part of like 
public consumption. Like you are mm. actually there to like participate in something. There is no like expectation of privacy, which is very different than how Americans move about the world, right? Mm. Like I'm on my way to something. I don't talk to anyone. I don't know anyone. In Italy, it's very different if you are outside walking about you are like participating in a social activity um simply by your presence and i i liked that this entire film is like him you know doing this exercise of the mm-hmm. passeggiata yeah. um literally but also like figuratively if we're getting into like the conversation about like his introspection and his his reflectiveness but like i think that for an American audience maybe watching this and and seeing that he's just like talking to people like they might read that as like oh he's a character but that's actually like very common Mm -hmm. (laughs) in Italy where you just like talk to a guy that you see and then you like move on and then you talk to another guy and like the guy's like right there with you like you're like oh that was cool wasn't it and he's like totally and then you're like okay have a nice day um and I think that like the concept of like the the traveler, the wanderer, the happy wanderer takes on like a different sort of like cultural resonance in Italy because everyone kind of is when you're like out in public space. And so he seems in that regard less singular. He seems less kind of totemic and, um, and less of a character. And I, I just think that it's interesting to consider him through that lens. Yeah. That's, I think, that's terrific. Yeah, it's also yeah. to distinguish that from like the flaneur style, like walking for your own intellectual yep. enjoyment or something. This is walking to be, like you're saying, a part of the community. Yeah, I will you're, say. you're participating. You're in the public square or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's something I love also about Mexico is that, yes, people will just say like, oh, yeah, like, did you see what happened to the store back there? And you're just like, yeah, let's talk about the store for a couple seconds. That's yes. great. And then we just keep yeah. moving. This is, it uh, is. It's very nourishing. Yeah. This is something that is re- very... Uh, very important to um, the sort of both physical and emotional healing of Robert McCall in The Equalizer 3 is him walking <laughs> through the city of uh, whatever it's called on Altamonte on the Yum. Amalfi Coast and he takes mm-hmm. his strolls and everyone's like Roberto would you like uh, fish and he's like yeah. okay thanks which is, which is really the kind of tenor that all of those films sort of uh you know, try to navigate and, and, and the kind of ringing sensation of all of them, which is a man uh, who was trained to remove himself from the world, learning to reintegrate into it yeah. and to become not just a passive people. observer, but right. to become a participant in his society uh, by occasionally offing some Cosa Nostra or gangbangers <laughs> uh, or uh, Russian mafia guys. Yeah. When you leave a grocery store in Italy, you have to say bye. Mm hmm. Yeah, you bid, the, you bid them adieu. You, you literally to have food? to say bye to the, oh, oh, <laughs> the people yeah. that work there. Yeah, Italian grocery store. Shout out. Mm-hmm. Would love those guys. We should get some of those guys on the pod. Just yeah. like I, an Italian green grocer. <laughs> I would. I would love that. I agree. Yeah, they can uh, talk about Jay Edgar with you, probably yeah. oh, okay. all sorts of stuff. Yeah. 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 Unheralded, unheralded, uh, great Clint. <laughs> uh, or Jersey Boys, if they want to talk about Italian yeah. Americans. You know, that would be a good one. Also, one that I really enjoy. Uh, well, gentlemen, with that, I think we're going to go ahead and yeah. wrap up our conversation Let's on Carlo Diario. Uh, and thank you both, Ian Ryan and Jake Serwin of the wonderful podcast, Podcasty for Me. Fellas, uh, I love your show. 
we have been on it. It was a total, total blast uh, and happy to return the favor and have you all on to talk about this movie uh, in a just world. You all would be one of the biggest podcasts out there, um, but you are wonderful, wonderful uh, podcasters and have become wonderful friends as well. And uh, it's just such a treat to get to hang out with you anytime we can. Oh, grazie mille. Piacere. Uh, piacere. Thank you for, Molto for, piacere. Yes. Thank you for having us so much. And uh, thank you for having us so much. I'm always fucking it up on the fucking show. <laughs> God damn. Uh, no, it's... Uh, uh been a real treat thanks for having us and uh thank you for being our mommy and daddy <laughs> we we, uh, so talked, we talked about this beforehand yeah. and ian said you gotta say it and i said no i don't want to say it and he's, ian's like no you really should I'm say so it. But glad you did he's it got too exactly scared the reaction that i wanted <laughs> yeah yeah it's thank good. you so much guys shock your podcast is so lovely but much more importantly to me your your presence the, to be here with you guys is so nice um can't compare it to any other podcast experiences I've ever had in that sense. Well, I can compare it to one when they were on our show. It was nice. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. 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 Oh, we um, love you guys. Yeah. Okay. But wait, the, like the like business end of things, like where can people find you? We are at uh podcastiforme.com. We are also at shooting yourself in the head.com. That will re- that's a real thing that will really redirect you. Jake sent it to me before he way. sent it to you, Ian. He yeah. was like, What yeah. do you think of this? How do you think this is gonna go over my like, this is perfect? This is yeah. <laughs> Gotta bounce stuff off people. Uh we're at, at Twitter on Twitter at uh, podcasty for me, Instagram podcasty for me, all the all that shit. You can find our, our podcast wherever uh, fine free podcasts are made available. We're, we're thinking about starting a Patreon, but just for $1 a month, um, like in the film A Perfect World, we'll get on Zoom with you. You can show us your soft penis and we'll tell you <laughs> it's a perfectly good size for your yep. age. That's, That's right. Uh, we're not going to do any extra content. We're just going to do that that Kevin Costner just does in that movie. A couple two-on-ones. Yep. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. Il Postina himself, Kevin Costner. <laughs> that is honestly a smoking deal. <laughs> that is a really good deal for a yeah. dick rating. I, I know. I feel like most people charge significantly more than that for 100%. a, a personal Maybe we're dick actually rating. like scabbing a little bit. I here. don't know well, why. You totally oh, we're are. not scab. No, it's yeah. just to keep the lights on. Like it's like think of it That's as like a sort say. of. Uh, no, it's not. Well, but same with like what about you know pay as you go, like yoga places or whatever. Are they scabs? <laughs> no, you're right. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> we'll figure it out we'll talk about it yeah. off but well, thank you so much for having us guys thank you all yes, so very much um, is is there anything you want to um, threaten Ian about first oh that's right I did I did mention that Ian you have to approve my follow request on Twitter or I'm going to <laughs> oh. find your house I'm going to carpet bomb no, I'm pretty Ian, sure you I have just to did. actually not do it now ever yeah. like, okay, you, like you literally can't like the he man brought it up in never the kitchen tweets. he was like he was like, I know he never tweets. He but was like, we, I, I have asked Ian so many fucking times. I have literally times. mentioned in the group chat <laughs> like five times, like Ian, approve my follow request. Ian, approve my follow That's request really while cute, you're here. It, yeah. Approve uh-huh. it. And yesterday I was like, it's I'm cute. going to, I'm going to mail you uh, more Wait, lead did you than double Jake check? already threatened to. Now I'm worried because I did recently. 
uh, confirm all follower requests, and now it's going to be much worse if well, I it's, didn't. It's the website is functioning so properly. <laughs> it, it, it works. It works really well all yeah. the time, really which well. is the thing about it. it yeah. Does, so yeah. let's see. Uh, I will say oh, look at that! Motivated. I am now. Yeah, he's look. he's approved it. I'm oh, following maybe, him officially. Maybe you should have checked your fucking facts first. Well, yeah. I said it. You know, that's true. I'm sorry, I didn't check beforehand. Ian, threats rescinded. Uh, now you only have to worry about Jake and uh, whatever it is that he's um, thinking you. about and plotting on any given me. week. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> Uh, well, with that, folks, we are out for the day. Uh, you can follow along with us at Hit Factory Pod if you are not already. Uh, we have a Patreon. Um, we don't do dick ratings yet, but we'll think about it. Patreon. That's what you think. Yeah, Patreon.com. I got a side hustle. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, it just seems it seems like easy money. I don't it's, know. It does seem like easy money. You guys are yeah. definitely undercharging. Yeah. for the record, you are you are devaluing <laughs> your product. Uh, Patreon.com/slash/HitFactoryPod is where you can go for that for biweekly bonus episodes, all of the uh, extras that we put out there. Getting into the Discord. Uh, Jake's a regular in there at the moment, um, just riffing it up with us on any given day. I receive up, you know, as many as two uh crying laughing emojis on the stuff that i post in there daily very true so. we've got some spongebob emojis in there now too so you can Those get some great. big-eyed squid i, and things I think like i make up for whatever emojis you may be missing in our dm like i heart yeah. and like laugh at everything that's you true can i plug dming with carly it's a one of yeah, one of uh, the internet's it's finest the, experiences it is the best it's a treat yeah, it really so is treat. Uh, even though I live with her, I can still occasionally DM with her, and I'm like, "This is a really pleasant experience." <laughs> okay, nice. wait, yeah. I have to tell you guys a story. Um, oh, <laughs> there, <laughs> really quick, really quick, really quick. Patreon.com/slash/factorypod for all of our uh, bonus content and the full experience. Uh, we will give a shout out to our overlords, Linda and Jared Murray, who are uh, supporters of the show. Thank you so much, and we will see you all. Wait, the next time we have to arrivederci. say arrivederci arrivederci ci vediamo presto see, see ya